0: Hey Warwick. G'day Coxie. Everybody's going to know that this is a joke today because I don't have a boss, or I, you're certainly not my boss.
1: Thank goodness for that.
0: I know. Can you imagine me working for a boss? Full stop. <laughs> Doesn't go very Joke way.
1: of the world. Yeah.
0: Yes. All right. Here's my joke. My boss told us about a customer who had complained about an employee with bad posture. Right. I have a hunch. It was me. Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast
2: with your hosts, Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and
0: grab a brew as Was and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business.
1: Boom, boom. Righto. Not one of your finest, Coxie.
0: Oh, come on. That was, that was
1: a great dad joke,
0: that
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> Nat, even our guest <laughs> has chimed in. <laughs> All right. And on that note, we're going to welcome our guest to <laughs> this episode. Uh, Nat, uh, it's, it feels a bit informal, mate, based on your background and where you're sitting and even some of the pictures I can see in the background there, mate. But uh, uh, welcome to the show. Nat Thank you very much. from Master Plumbers. Nathaniel Smith, the
2: full name, but die, go by Nat. This makes it easier.
1: We don't want to trigger you, mate. Not this early in the episode. Mm. We'd like this to go for longer than seven seconds. That's cool. All right. So, uh, Nat, can you tell our listeners a bit about who is Nathaniel Smith, um, perhaps when you're not in trouble, and uh, how did you come to be having this amazing opportunity of talking to Was and Coxton at Trades in Business podcast, mate?
2: Well, uh, a bit about myself. I obviously grew up in Lane Cove and Epping as a young lad. Um, when I uh, in year t- in year eleven, actually, I did a instead of doing a two unit course, one of other subjects, I did uh, basic skills in plumbing at Metabank Tate, which, which was a back then it was called the JRPP course. That's now probably. That Was back in 1996, so it's probably changed it about five or six times in the last 20 to 30 years. Okay. Um, did that and then decided I wanted to do an apprenticeship. Uh, so at 16, I started off at a company called NCB Plumbing, who are members of the Master Plumbers. <laughs> uh,
1: just
2: put a plug in there. Um, and I worked there for about obviously about two to three years, and then I they were a maintenance service company. Then I went into construction uh, with Great Holt, who are quite a large. T1 company, Uh, did a lot of big jobs around Sydney, the Conservatorium of Music. I looked after the ships in the Sydney Harbour during the Olympic Games. Do you remember those seven ships? I did all the plumbing up to them, Um, ran a few big jobs. Then after I left there, I did some commercial plumbing. Uh, And then about 2005, I set up my own business, Um, ran that for a while, in 2008, when I was uh, working on a job, but I nearly lost this finger. It was uh, severed and hanging off. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the time, it got quite a bit of attention because uh, my another little part of my life that I was involved in was in the Young Liberals, and I took my father in the running of the parliament. He was then Shadow Attorney General in New South Wales, then Attorney General. Wow. And on that day, I cut this finger he Sang a song in parliament about giving back our Epping Road, it was about <laughs> a big, big tunnel, and so that got you know, you know, very much a big attention on 2GB and all that sort of stuff. And, and then there was like, Oh, we've, we hear your son is cut his finger, oh, he's cut his hand off. It was like the whispers it got worse and, worse and worse. So that was on the radio as well. And I was in Westmead Hospital getting stitched up, anyway. Um, you know, when you run a small business, you are the small business. Uh, you know, you you take all the risk and all the reward. Uh, I was back a couple of days later because I had guys working for me. I was stitched up totally against doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was getting on with it and pressing ahead. So I did that um, for a number of years. And then I got an offer to work for a PR and marketing and government relations company called Hugo Halliday. I uh, switched careers around 2010 which my parents said I was absolutely insane because I was doing quite well in the plumbing game. And I said, I want to look at doing something different. Uh, we acted for a whole range of clients and industry organisations, um, big you know, big companies such as IAG, uh, some, some pretty big players, corporate players. So uh, I switched careers in that time. I did a grad cert, a grad dip, then a Master of Arts and Organisational Comms, yeah. at Charles Sturt. Uh did that for about six years and then I went and ran a federal senator's office for about a year Uh, she was a minister for international uh, development in the Pacific Mm -hmm. Uh, then I was a senior advisor to a New South Wales planning minister because I was a between that time there I also got elected to council at Cogra City Council so I knew a bit about planning and I worked for a lot of developers when I was in the lobbying game as well so I knew quite a bit about you know, planning and then the, and the issues and how it affects councils and communities and things like that. Then I, um, uh, got elected to parliament in two thousand and nineteen to the seat of Wollandilly. Uh, then eventually under Dominic Perrottet, when he became premier, became government whip. So I was in charge of discipline and running the legislative assembly. And then unfortunately, uh, in the, uh, March early this year, I, uh, had a 12% swing to One Nation, which ripped out some of my primary vote. And the Climate 200 candidate got about 80% of Labor preferences and beat me by 1%. So then this opportunity came up and head office didn't do any polling because they thought I was safe as houses. It was one of those ones that they I was working 20 hours a day, signage everywhere, didn't take anything for granted. And during those four years, it was pretty tough. We had the drought when I first got elected. Then we had bushfires and Dilly, We lost two firies from Horsley Park. Then uh, we had floods and then and Picton, as you would heard in the past, flooded quite a bit and we had floods down the Highlands. Then we had COVID and COVID was really tough in my electric because it was half, it was greater Sydney and the other half was regional New South Wales. So you had different rules. Yeah. Uh, my job was a nightmare during that time. And then we had floods again, then COVID again. And then we had that unfortunate accident that happened last September. We lost those five kids at Buxton at Picton High. So it was a pretty full on four years. Um, And now coming into this, it sort of seems um, it's, it's a lot of work to do uh, in an organization like this. And we're turning, we're rebranding the organization. We've got a new website. Um, A lot of things have been done the way they were in industry associations for many years. So, we're turning this place right around and uh now i'm here
0: that's an incredible story
2: (laughs) it's yeah it's uh it's when you tell people they go, oh wow you've done all that
0: it's a lot of experience in uh, look i'm gonna i'm banking on us being about the same age here now um it's a short period of time to have such a breadth of experience yeah Um, well
2: 43 i just turned 43 and um
0: Okay, I can align with forty three. I'm going to go with forty three yeah, now. At least that, <laughs> I like forty three. That feels good to me.
2: And uh, so I did obviously an apprenticeship, got my license, ran my own mm. business, worked in some other fields, then um, then uh, did a university degree, <laughs> did a master's, while having two kids and babies waking up yeah. at three in the morning, working full time, and then uh, going into other. Different avenues, and then running myself.
1: Matt, how do you how do you stay on the straight and narrow? Like, how do you stay on the level through that sort of a journey? I I think um,
2: obviously, uh, you know, I've got a good family life, um, married with two kids. Um, I come from a pretty good sort of stable Catholic fam- Christian family, so that's mm-hmm. helped me a lot with you know, just keeping my head on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, you've got to obviously listen to people too. You've got to to keep grounded. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the issues, I think, when people do go into politics and things like that. People start telling them how wonderful they are for years and years. And after 20 years, they actually believe it. And uh, so there's a lot of fakeness. There's a lot of, and I'm not really one for that when I have, I, when, when people start crawling to me, I go, okay, what do you want?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty blunt. Um,
2: yeah. Which
1: probably so serves I think you de- well, sorry, Nat, uh, probably serves you well coming into the role that you're in and, and, you know, yeah. working in a trade association and working with trade business owners, essentially. That's
2: right. Well, I've been one. Mm. Um, I've acted on behalf of industry associations in, in terms of mm. advocacy work. Uh, you know, I've done a the master's degree in organisational comms, which comes in the marketing and PR and, mm-hmm. and all that. So it's, it's moulded me well for this position. Mm. And knowing all the members of parliament, because they used to crawl to me to get pairs so they could get out of not being in <laughs> the chamber at night, um, helps now with dealing with them. <sighs>
0: I bet well, you got some stories to tell.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, got, I've got some stories.
0: Uh, <laughs> I bet you do. There, there aren't
2: any uh, there, I suspect, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, it was interesting because when I was with, we, we didn't have a majority, oh. so it was like gluing things together. And one of the, one of the months, which was very challenging, was uh, a, a retiring member. I won't say who it was. Um, decided that they won't be turning up the parliament this month because they've got a, a course they're doing overseas oh, wow. so I didn't have a pair for that person and if I had a pair the independence labor party could have got together and changed standing orders and made a chaos for two weeks mm. so what I did is that person used to sit next to me I'm probably giving that person away now <laughs> and so I used to stretch out the question time and take up the space so the opposition group was pounding and didn't realize that there was something missing and I did that for I, that la- every day I came in the premiers, I just go. Oh, we got away with it again for another day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got away with it for two weeks. That's wow! I had no skinny, idea. Skinny your teeth stuff. Yeah, it was little things like that, uh, and that. Uh, so you got to think fast on your feet and be a yeah. bit nimble and
1: mm. um, just have a good poker face. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Okay, I suck at a poker face. That's why I mm. did politics. Yeah.
1: Mm. Nat, uh, so you've, you've been in the trades or in and around them um, for, I guess, quite some time. Obviously, you know, recent times you, you've you stepped aside from that with your other roles and, and politics. Mm. Um, and now you're very much back into the trades uh, in your new role. How, if at all, how have has the industry changed uh, since your time?
2: Oh, it's changed dramatically. Um, You know, when I talk to the trainers here at, um, the Master Plumbers Association of New South Wales just to give a quick intro on it obviously it's a, an association that's a union for employers plumbing contractors so we advocate for them, we give them services they get members benefits out of being a member and things like that but we've also got our training arm so we do we train apprentices here uh, so they've either got the option of going to TAFE other independent bodies or our RTO and mm-hmm. um, And a lot of those apprentices are our apprentices that we employ through our GTO, which is Master Plumbers Apprentices Limited. So I'm in charge. I'm the CEO of both MPA and Master Plumbers uh, Apprentices Limited. So we keep them employed, we train them, and I've seen some huge uh, changes in the trade, like in terms of silver brazing, welding, zoxi acetylene doesn't happen much anymore. Everything's everything's B press, uh, crimping. Yep. when I was getting out of the trade around 2010, that was starting to come in and now it's just everywhere.
1: Yep. Um, yeah.
2: The use of uh, heat pumps and other, other things uh, that have come into the game it has made it easier, but it also presents new problems as well. So, uh, which, And sometimes I feel that when I was studying in the trade, we did things like mechanical services. They got rid of that in 2008. And I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for the future. Um, because I don't know if the apprentices obviously are learning a hell of a lot uh, in the new 2020 package for their training for TAFE. But having those other courses that we did back then, like mechanical services taught us how to think, how to work out how boilers work in large buildings. Yep. I think yep. some of that's getting lost. Mm. So we've got to be careful that, you know, we have plumbers in 20 years that when they go to a job somewhere to Fix up this plant room. They're going to go. Oh, who knows how to do this? Yeah, and that, that's some of the the issues I'm seeing in the trade. Um, that I think we need to bring it back a bit. Go a little bit old school occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sounds. I'm, I'm 43, saying you've got to go a bit more old school, but uh, I think that's that needs to be done from time to time. You've got to look at how we did things back then, and and what we were trained to do. we will trained to think, and sometimes mm-hmm. now especially in construction and in your bigger tier one organizations, it's more like Lego, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. I don't, I absolutely agree that that is happening. I see it um, every day with the apprentices mm. that we deal with. And I see that it's not plumbing specific. I think it's all trade specific, sadly, we've, because of the, um, well, I don't want to be too speculative, I guess, but the, the, the way the industry has changed as a whole and we've, There's a stronger push towards project-style builders, those tier one, tier two, tier three construction companies. Um, They have a particular formula that works and serves them very well. Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily serve the tradespeople moving through the ranks so that we do have really well-qualified, multi-disciplined tradespeople instead where you tend now, there's a real tendency to find tradespeople that are very good at a particular style of task within their trade they don't have broad knowledge of all of it, sadly. It's, mm. And it's very hard to find employers that are able to contribute to the full skill set. Um, even as the mum mm. of, an, of an apprentice, we really worked hard to ensure that uh, our son, who's an apprentice carpenter, went to work for a renovation builder instead of a new home builder because it changes what he's able to do. The skill set that he will come out with is very different than if he was working only on new homes. So I, I feel that... Um, in construction, full stop, as trades, this, this is a real trend that we're seeing and it does need to make some change. I just wonder from an organisational point of view, Nat, what do you think you can do that can contribute to some of that change coming about in a short term, not a long term?
2: I, I think obviously when we have reference groups with, um, uh, with TAFE, with, uh, you yeah, Customer Service New South Wales or Be Fair Trading, um, let's change your names a couple of times, um, is to give that sort of feedback back, like um, we're seeing a lot of changes uh, in some of the other states around Australia. There's been, a, I think, an unnecessary push to electrify everything. I believe there's been a general attack on gas. I'll be writing an article in our next uh, magazine about it, <laughs> which, which I will have a bit of a swipe at the current federal government and particularly the ACT government. Mm-hmm. who has now banned all new gas connections from November onwards, uh, which is just absolute insanity. Um, I think you would have heard that comment in my piece in The Australian a few weeks ago. But the reason is is we should be promoting hydrogen, biogas, and other renewable gases uh, to come into the system. We shouldn't just be cutting off a, a – we've seen governments do that before when they cut off an industry. Yep. Uh, and it ends up being a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a thing called the greyhounds, uh, you know, many years ago uh, that really did cause a big stir when you try and shut something down overnight mm. and something might look good in detail and sometimes on, on paper, like feel good, but when the rubber hits the road and I've experienced this as a policy advisor in government, something might really look good as a uh, a policy and then all of a sudden they entered into their CAD system at Master Than Homes and said, oh, this policy doesn't work because we Can't use our 330 square meter home, which is our most popular choice. Yeah. and you're like going, Oh no, but the department says you're no, 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 you're wrong. Like it's, and this is where you got to really test things out. And like, uh, get that, that, I bring up that gas example is because, um, yeah, it's all good and well to try and electrify single homes with heat pumps and solar hot water heater and things like that. But when you're getting into large buildings, say student accommodation, unit blocks, commercial, you're talking you need much more plant room space, which is taking up more square metres in the building, Um, and, you know, shutting off something like gas, which is 50% cleaner than burning coal, to run electricity to that building. Mm. So it gets a bit like a Yes Minister episode. (laughs) You know, like the Euro sausage, you know, where there was an argument where the farmers... The United, um, uh, where is it, in Brussels, they paid farmers to make surpluses of food. And then in the other office, they were paying farmers to destroy those surpluses of food. <laughs> and then the guy from Brussels says, oh, no, it's not the next room. It's downstairs, you know. Yep.
1: yep. And we, we watch these programs as, as sort of the general population and think, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, they're taking the mick. And I think the sad reality is for anyone who's got some inside knowledge is it's, it's legit. <laughs> yep. And probably worse than that you know it would scare most of the the, yeah. the general public um, and unfortunately you know and and you've spent uh, quite a bit of time in politics, obviously nat but you know that that short term nature of uh, tenure and also the the division between decision making departments, you know, and we have all these different departments that are making decisions and that not, they don't have that generalist view. And I I think that almost goes back to that whole training conversation that we we're having where we're ending up with people who are very specialised in particular areas of, of the industry and so they're not cross-skilled, which means they're not able to make those broader decisions about what's best mm-hmm. because I don't have the breadth of knowledge or experience to be able to do that. And, and, you know, as an observer, I see the same thing happening within our public sector and, and certainly within mm-hmm. um, politics. So I guess when it comes back to the training and we hear lots about, you know, the skills shortage and problems with apprenticeships um, nationally, not just obviously within New South Wales, but uh, what's your take on, I guess that whole narrative around this skills shortage and what we need to do to, to actually improve that.
2: Well, I um, saw a great um, advertising campaign in New Zealand. I don't know if you've seen it where the son, um, the parents are like, oh, I think there's something wrong with something's happening. Something's wrong with him at the moment. And he goes, mum, dad, I want to be a tradie. And they drop their (laughs) coffee. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, It was a three-part ad. And it was like the father was an accountant going, why do you want to be a tradie? Don't you want to be go to university like me with a flowing gown? And uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was really well done, and it went yeah. for. It was like that double AMI ad with Rhonda.
0: Yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> and it, it was like a story, but what it showed was being a tradie. You know, is a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, once you, you're getting paid to train, you, with an apprentice, people go, "Oh, apprentices don't get paid much. they they're training." You don't get paid yeah, yeah. to go to university that's and right. become a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher, yep. um, you know, and you're getting paid to train. And once that's completed, uh, then you become a tradesman. And then once you own your own business, you're not a plumber anymore or a carpenter or a nutrition. you're an entrepreneur, you're a businessman mm-hmm. or a businesswoman. So and that's I think there needs to be more of a promotion of that by the government. Uh, and in school saying, you know, there's always this great push, let's get them to university, get them to university. There's kids in year 11 and 12 who should not be there. Mm. They should yeah. be. One of the one of the things that we we have uh, scope to offer here at the Master Plumbers yeah. Association and M- MPA training is a cadetship mm. where um, they do their whole CERT 3 in 18 months full-time. So they'll do their theory and their practical in 18 months and once that's completed, they come out halfway through second year. Mm. Now, they are the SAS of apprentices. They've mm. done all their training in 18 months. And they could probably do that at the end of year 10. When they don't have their license, they can come to a, a, our, our college, do their training. By the time they're finished, they've got their P's. Mm. And they are a high-quality apprentice. That Because the great thing about them is you're not sending them off to TAFE each week. Mm. Um, and then they're ready to do their cert four, which is at night in their own time. Yep.
0: Yeah,
2: which I've got long memories of. And
0: <laughs> Bob
2: Jackson, who's the field officer here at uh, Master Plumbers, was my teacher.
0: Oh wow!
2: Years ago, twenty-three years ago at Meadowbank. So how how the these you know, the, the you know the spins and straights and roundabouts in life you end up being back with someone that you're you know, yeah so true
1: Tradies in Business was here, sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. (laughs) Hello. You may not know this tradie or tradie wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That feels weird to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradepreneur Program, and that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie.
0: Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills, sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do, if you can even find them in the first place. Uh there's so many struggles.
1: And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time to be honest, mm-hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff. Mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We
0: How have sessions. tips?
1: Yes. Getting tips. Yes. So, uh, people rounding up, customers rounding up the invoice by hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. because they're so happy with the sales process and the experience of dealing with the trade business owner and their team. So some amazing stories from our clients, but you know, as they say in the, in the commercials, don't take it from us. Uh, hear what some of our clients have to say
0: coming into Christmas we are not worried about money we've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave there's work booked in for the new year And for the first time in a long time we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business that's probably the biggest win of all
1: using the cash flow forecast i've been able to look into the future and see where i'm going to be situated financially and it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not i make purchases
0: by far one of the best things about working with nick and was are the other businesses that are working alongside them it is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles, we can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all.
2: From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that. And I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built. And that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught me and what I've learned.
1: So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. <laughs> and I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day to day basis, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money, maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice Mm. that you really wanted. When you started your business, instead of this beast, that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if you want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradepreneur program, Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs)
0: For free.
1: That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us. And we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from.
0: (laughs) I think, um, Nat, to speak to that point, I feel like the trades still get a really bad rep. In fact, Warwick and I work really hard with lots of people like yourself to try and raise the voice of trades in Australia. And yet you still see media very responsible for this. Unfortunately, the thing you see in media generally about the trades is how another big builder has gone down and what that means for families. Um, Or we see how the the tradie that's ripping off the grandmother, or we see the tradie, there's the narrative that they're always late or they're going to rip you off. I think that's really responsible for a lot of how parents, just like you you're talking there with the, the family in New Zealand, how they feel about kids going into the trades and we tend to see as in my case my the kids have a builder for a father the several of the kids have gone into the trades you know it's a natural progression we're all trades my my father's a tradie my brother's a tradie um the kid's dad's is a tradie his father's a tradie you know it's just that natural progression yet he's not necessarily being opened up to others because of this negative narrative and I wonder if you have a view on how to change that narrative
2: well it's a stigma and people will sometimes go oh like you know I had it one of the biggest hurdles I had in getting in the parliament they're going oh but he's he might have a master's degree but he's a tradie he's an ex-tradie <laughs> and it's that and it's that sort of snobbery yeah, um, it's like it's a slight on your character. It's a, a slight on your character. It's like, well, hang on, you know, I ran my own business and worked hard. I used to, I used to fill out BAS statements every three months. Yeah, when, when did you do one of them? And you're making laws on them. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and that's you got to give it back to them sometimes.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, mm. because you just can't have not everyone is going to be a lawyer or a doctor. Or a teacher um they just don't some people just don't have the personality or the, the temperament uh because it's not within their nature uh mm-hmm. to do that sort of thing or you know in life they might go into it later on you know like I've done things you know after you know when I had my own business and things like that so I think it's a stigma thing that's why you need to have a positive campaign uh governments need to run positive campaigns to get more people into trades mm. uh, talk about hey you can actually earn a good living When you're on, and you and you can be your own boss, and you can employ people, and you can you know get that that joy out of uh, you know helping another family by employing them and seeing them do well, uh, and and pay them more uh, of above the award if business is is obviously going well, Um, and you know because you want to keep good staff, so I just think we've got to have more of a positive. Uh, outlook, yes, there's always going to be a couple of bad eggs in the barrel that do the wrong thing by by clients, but that's in every industry. Hmm. That's in everywhere you go. 100%. Yep. That's in every, you, you're going to have bad doctors, bad lawyers, bad teachers, bad bad dentists, um, trying to get extra money out of you know going into nursing homes and ripping dentures out, and you know, like you know, you you hear stories all the time on a current affairs. Oh. Who's um who's taking the piss basically um, mm. and trying to make a, a an earn out of it um, but you, you're always going to have that and, but I don't think that should be a negative and as I as you said you know the father husband's a builder and the generation of kids coming through have taken up an apprenticeship, like I wasn't exactly my dad was a was a QC an SC you know so I didn't exactly follow in his footsteps no, but. Mum and dad always said, we, we don't care what you do in life as long as you're, you're happy and you're honest and you're good to your family. That was their view. Um, so they didn't was, drop their coffee cup when you told them you wanted to be a tradie? No, no, no. <laughs> well, my my grandfather on my mum's side, he was a mechanic in World War II in Kokoda. So, wow. And he was asked to be in, the, I think it was the ninth, you know, that legendary story. And he said, yeah. no, he was asked to be a sergeant. And he said, no, I want to keep doing my engineering. And so he, we, we, I wouldn't have been here um, if he went on that. And, uh, and my dad's father was a salesman and timber and all that. And he had a, a timber mill down in Goulburn. And, you know, we, we came from pretty humble beginnings. Um, mm. And uh, there's nothing wrong with what you do in life as long as you do it well and you're good
1: to other people. Mm. Now, I'm going to have a crack at uh, connecting some dots up here. So you might have to be patient and uh, broad-minded with me, mate. <laughs> But we're talking about you know the the bad rap that the trades get in Australia quite a lot of the time, mm. and and I've spent time. My family are all tradies, but I, I sort of did the university thing and studied business and went into accounting and finance yeah. and that sort of stuff for years, and and I see a big difference between the behaviour of the individuals within an industry um, between some of those white collar professions and some of the blue collar uh, professions, and. I think it's almost just an absolute given that if you're an accountant, you'll belong to a professional association. Mm. Um, in some cases, it's compulsory. It's been mandated by governments. You know, mm. um, If you want to hold a license, you must belong to a professional association. And it's just interesting that within the trades, though, it seems that it's very much an optional thing. And people are like, oh, should I? Shouldn't I? I don't know. What do I get? what do I get if I actually join the association? And I just wonder if if you could speak to that. And obviously you're in a slightly biased position, mate, and feel free to give the sales pitch for Master Plumbers. Uh, but do you think that's a real thing? I mean, that's my perception, but do you see a similar thing?
2: Yeah. In different parts of the trade, obviously in the construction industry, especially on enterprise bargain agreement companies and on certain construction sites, you have a lot of unionism mm. and... They have to show their card and be a member of the union for sure. Um, but that's, but that's still optional. Um, and you've got obviously uh, in associations like ours, you know, some people may feel that they're too busy and they just don't have time to be involved in the events of the organization and they're doing everything by, fine by themselves. But then yeah. once they look into the benefits of what they get joining the new South Wales master plumbers, they, Until they've tried it, they don't know. Mm. So, you know, and we've got, we don't just run courses here. We're going to be having some uh, some other courses coming up, some shorter courses for upskilling for plumbers, but also business courses. Mm. They they could be working, you know, 15 hours a day, six days a week. So I've got no time for anything else. Um, I'm just working away. And if they did some of these courses, they could be saving 20 grand a month. That's right. (laughs) so you don't know until you you know put your feet in the water and i do know about my wife's an accountant so she's in the cpa uh which is you know thousands of members that you know he he really the guy who set that up really marketed that well when he had a (laughs) side show on tv and he was giving financial reports every week on the television and the numbers went to the roof um and and i think there should be more connection to associations and you saw that Many, many years ago, even to think with political parties, you the mm. Liberal Party here in New South Wales probably got a little bit under 10,000 members. Labor Party is probably the same. Back 50 years ago, it was 50,000 members. Mm. Mm. Years ago, people were more involved in associations and you saw that even at university. More people were in clubs and things like that. And I think because there's so many distractions these days, mm-hmm. we're in a 24-media cycle, people just, it's just, in and out like i don't have time to read that i people have got less time um and they're too distracted Mm. and if you aren't if you aren't reaching them on this yeah you know they're not buying the newspaper they're not you know they're getting their news on tiktok and social media and it's, it's disappointing but that's just the way the world's moved how do you counter that nat you counter that by giving them something. And that's some of the things I'm working on here hard on the Master Plumbers, that it's not a grudge purchase like insurance.
0: Mm. You,
2: you want to become part of an association. So you're you're part of a family. You know, you've got others that can help you out. And you can ask others for advice. Uh you could have legal issues where the organization can help. Uh, you know, financial res- resources, you know, discounts on, you know, fleets of like we do, a discount on Toyota. Discount fleet when they join up the master plumbers, they can get three thousand off their Hilux that they buy for their business. So they've membership; they've already paid for it mm. for that purchase. So, and we've got corporate partners that's going to give them discounts on things and with their insurances and fuel and and other um, uh, things that you know we can do through our corporate partners that we advertise with. And that's the way I think they get them. If they if they know they're going to be saving a buck, it's going to help them run a better business. Mm. Um, I encourage them to join up because that's exactly what will happen.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, how does an organisation like yours stay in touch with what the the people want? How how do you 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 equate? You know, there's a balancing act as an organisation <laughs> around what you know with your experience is beneficial to someone, and then those business owners they they have feelings around what they think they want at the at the very least. How how do you stay in touch with what they think they want, and then how do you make the decision about what's going to serve them best?
2: So it's sort of drawing up your own, I did this in my master's at Jahari's window where this is what we think we look like, this is what others look at us, this is what we actually look like, you know. Um, and, you know, and that is what we're going to be doing a lot more now that I'm on board is having reach out and happy calls of people and finding out what members want just over a phone call and then entering that into a CRM or a client management system and, and having that knowledge, but you've got to do obviously regular surveys to see what members want, but then you've obviously got got to get people to complete that survey. So yeah. you're only getting a snapshot.
0: That's right. But I
2: think it's through direct contact, um, having events and, and asking them, you know, what do you get out of the master plumbers or what you think we can do better? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to have that critical, you know, you've got to be able to take the criticism
0: mm-hmm. with the
2: praise and go, okay, we could be doing that a lot better and looking at what other states are doing mm-hmm. um, that are doing, doing different to us that is working. So uh, obviously we're in a rebuilding stage, a rebranding stage here in New South Wales. Um, we're gonna shock the hell out of the members in the next six months with the amount of events that are gonna be happening over the next 12. Uh, they're gonna go, what's what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're really stepping up with the advocacy work as well, especially on the gas issue. Um, we'll be having some things to say on some of the new IR changes that are coming up. Mm-hmm. You've basically got to make yourself that they need you,
0: yeah.
2: Um, but they only don't just need you for the resources they're getting out of you. You're you're their you're their head guy. You're their head guy, or girl going up the government and saying, you know, us plumbers, w- we want this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're moving legislation that's gonna make it's gonna be catastrophic to our industry. Yeah, and it's working with the other. I had lunch yesterday with, with the National Electrical Contractors Association, CEO, and met up with the union two weeks before. I met up with master builders the other day. And it's building those synergies and working together to get great outcomes for the industry.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, we all need a voice. And unfortunately, we don't have one solo. We we need those collaborations to have a voice together for us within mm. the industry. Nat, um, Do each of the master plumbers in each state? Do they run? Do you all run together, or are you running separately in your own individual way? How does that work?
2: We've got a federal secretariat, um, but each division runs their own Mm -hmm. race. But we do meet regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, We're hosting a face-to-face meeting of the uh, Australia New Zealand, so it's Tasmania, ACT, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, WA, South Australia um and new zealand
0: mm-hmm. so
2: we all work as one um and so when we make representations to government on certain issues uh we all we all pile in together and um and help each other and we can we help each other out as well like mm-hmm. hey what are you doing with this are you offering your members this service mm-hmm. uh you know oh no we didn't do that because that was too complicated like you you bounce things off each other yep, yep. So some right. things work better in other states than others.
0: Yeah. And is is that degree of separation because the laws are different in each state? Like that's something we rub against quite frequently, the differences?
2: Not really. It's sort of where the organisation was formed. Got it. We go back to 1881. Mm-hmm. When you go back, our honour boards in my boardroom go back to 1886. Um, but we've found evidence now. It was I think it started, the Master Plumbers, New, New South Wales started around the in the 1880s Mm. some at some point so i've been told there's another honor board that we don't have in our session it's down in berrimer and um shops there i'm going to be investigating that on the weekend so uh and see what they're gonna say what they'll hit me up for if i could take it off there (laughs) Uh, but apparently i've heard there's another honor board that this exists but if you go in our ballroom i've got all the history going all the way back and i think that's important that um, members see you know the history because when you when you look on these honor boards you see people who won the gold medal in 1960 oh he started up so and so and co and so you know and, yeah. it's, and that company's now been going for 50 60 years you know yeah. and they were in they were in a boardroom similar to this you know
1: yeah
2: uh, 60 70 years ago and it's quite i'm a bit of a history buff history was one of my favorite subjects at school i love history and uh it's just funny when you, it's, it's eerie when you Look at this is the way they did things back then. Yeah. And there's so much tradition. Like I just look at my office in the cupboard over there. It's got the minutes going back till I think eighteen something, you know, nineteen twenty-six, I can see. Mm. And that's all the meetings from,
1: from years and years ago. Now so, I'm gonna ask you a bit of a leading question, mate. Um do yeah. do you think that's being lost, that reverence for roots and the past and tradition do you think that's being lost with the the successive generations
2: absolutely absolutely Mm. um i'm a big one for youth preserving tradition Mm. Uh, (laughs) yes i'm a constitutional monarchist uh (laughs) but and I will be, I will be smuggling a picture of King George III into the boardroom shortly between the Australian, <laughs> and New Zealand flag. It's Love gonna, it. it's gonna be a bit of a trigger warning.
1: Uh, cool. We used That's to, to sign a waiver as you come in. into the boardroom. No, no, no. I'm just gonna sneak it in there. And be like, what? The <laughs> um, Did, what yeah. Why do you think that is? And and you know, do you think it's just us older blokes? Um, clinging to the past as some people think of it or or is there something more to it nat
2: i think there's. i I think it's not all the blokes clinging to the past i think i think we've got to have respect for what people
1: have done before us
2: you know i respect my grandfather fought in world war ii my great-grandfather has fought in world war one like we honor anzac day we've got to honor those who have done great things before us and what Mm. some of these awards we have at our industry dinner. I named after the people who changed the way we did plumbing, you know, 30, 40, years, 50 years ago mm. uh, and did great things uh, like setting up a uh, GTOs, uh, group training organisations and, and things like that. They and, and what I really admire about a lot of those who were uh, executive committee members or board members of the MPA or MPLA is it was all voluntary. They did it in their own time. They gave the industry, did so much for them in terms of, creating wealth for them, they wanted to give something back. Mm. And I think there's a, there's, uh, unfortunately, we live in a world now where it's more about ourselves, not about others. And I think that that needs to, I I think sometimes you do need certain points in time. I am not saying you need another world war or something like that, but you need some a catalyst in society to go, hey, we've got to go back the way we and treat people the way we used to, you know and i think during covid and through the covid i think that sort of taught people a lot about themselves as well and looking after their neighbours and and really really um like when they got those freedoms taken away from them when they got them back it was like oh my god you know we're so lucky for all we have mm. uh it's just like dropping into your next door neighbour you couldn't do that that's right it was or even Going, a lot of people, especially elderly people and small senior people, you know, just going to church or going to their, you know, their usual country women's association group or it could be their men's shed, they couldn't do that. And that, that really that really hit them hard, mm. especially Anzac Day, the fact that they couldn't march for about one or two years. Mm. That was the one day those guys looked forward to every year. They saw their mates and they spilled many sacrifices, whether they in Vietnam or Korea. War. a lot of the World War II are not with us anymore. But, um, you know, and, and that, that's why I think tradition is important. It needs to be kept and something that, uh, you know, I'll be,
1: you know, pushing forward. I'll be there with you, mate. Uh, so, yeah. no, I've got a question I'd like to ask. <laughs> <guests>. <laughs> I might have just lost myself a few fans, but I might have gained a couple as well. Uh <laughs> Mate, if you had a 1,000 trade business owners in a room, what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave them with?
2: Um, Look after your staff. Um, Train up your apprentice as well Um, because there's so much competition out there that, you know, uh, if you don't treat your staff properly, uh, you can lose them. Um, Join your association. Mm. Depends whatever, yep. you know, I think I'm doing a bit of a sales pitch here, but no, I'm not. I'm saying join your association and mix with other contractors, find out ways that what they're doing that you haven't been doing, which could change the dynamic of your whole business. Mm. It's only when we connect a network um, that we learn things because sometimes we're stubborn in our ways and uh, this is how I do things and, and you become institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you get out and meet other companies in the similar trade and work out what they're doing, what they're using, what's worked for them, you know, that, that, that could be something that the catalyst that just turns your business into a, a good business into a very profitable business.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, 100%. Leveraging uh, the knowledge that's out there, you know, that collective mm. uh, intelligence. So love mm. that, mate. Uh, all right, if we've got New South Wales listeners who happen to be plumbers and they want to find out more about Master Plumbers, uh, what's the best way for them to do that, Nat?
2: Well, the best way is uh, here's our new branding, <laughs> our new logo. <laughs> it's a
0: great logo. I was very impressed. Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice, all new.
2: Nice those pipes, pipes are there. Um, <laughs> obviously, you can go to masterplumbers.com.au or, or ring us on 87897000. Uh, Love it, mate. Love That's it. eight seven eight nine seven thousand, or or even come in to uh, unit one of thirteen Stanton Road, Seven Hills, and and check out the college, and the and uh, we can make a cup of coffee for
0: you and have a chat. Stuff, very mate. impressive, Nat.
2: <laughs> That's Very well, sweet. well done.
0: We, well, uh... you know,
2: I you know this is the service I used to supply when when members of parliament came down at the whips office, coffee made for them.
1: Would you like a coffee? Yeah.
2: And we got a bit later at night. Uh, occasionally, you know, I'd offer them. The Labor Party had an alcohol ban, so it was a 12-and-a-half, a 12-year-old a apple juice on the rocks. We it. Uh, <laughs> I and, quite like uh,
0: my apple juice on the rocks, thing. Yeah, you.
2: and, um, you know, this was done because I think Chris Minsey brought in the band when they were in opposition. I don't know if the band's still going, but, you know, a lot of, lot of opposition members came down to my room uh, and I said... <laughs> And I said the the WHIPS office. Uh, what happens? WHIPS office stays in the WHIPS office. It's like it's like the the Vatican and the Italian state, <laughs> so it's separate. Neutral uh, world. But you know, you got to have a welcoming presence. You got to make people feel comfortable, and then they open up and talk to you about things that they would normally talk to you about.
1: Right. Mm. So. Good tips for our employers out there, mate. Oh, they can yeah. learn a thing or two about that uh, and the the energy between them and their team members instead of treating them like a resource. So
2: true. Yeah, they're not a number can't treat people as a number that's right and i think you that's saw right. that more. i saw that more in construction it was it was the you know conveyor belt yep mm-hmm. can't have that absolutely
1: right. love it nat well uh mate thank you for your time uh you are no doubt a busy man and i'm sure we could talk a hell of a lot more and and have you share a lot more stories but uh if any of our listeners are thinking about joining their association or they've ever thought about it perhaps uh, stop thinking about it, go and take some action. Uh, <laughs> and we'll make sure. sure we put all the details for Master Farmers, New South Wales, yeah. New South Wales listeners, of which we have quite a large number. Uh, so no excuses. Nat's shared all the dates there. We'll put them in the, the show notes. Um, Nathaniel Smith, thank you very much for your time today, mate. Over absolute pleasure. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business, and other cool stuff at tradeiesandbusiness.com.au.